0: you're listening to the we lead well podcast where well-being matters this episode is brought to you in partnership with transform education coaching headteacherchat.com and the teach well alliance enjoy the show Welcome to the latest episode of the We Lead Well podcast. I am Vicki McGuire. I'm an education and leadership coach working with school leaders to support them to improve their own well-being and that of all their staff. I also run group coaching programs for women leaders and I've created the Women Lead Well Coaching Network to provide a supportive network for female school leaders at all levels in education. So, today on the show, I've got an interview with Gemma Drinkle. Now, Gemma actually got in touch with me and said that she was following the 10% Braver motto from Women Ed, uh, and she wanted to appear on a podcast. And when I talked to her about her experience of what had happened to her in her teaching role, she seemed like a brilliant guest because I think it's important that as school leaders, we understand what teachers and middle leaders in our schools are going through in terms of their well-being and their mental health and how challenging they are finding that role and what we can do to support them. I think in many ways as leaders in schools, and I've mentioned this quite a few times in the interview probably, we are more reactive than proactive. It takes a person to get to the point of maybe having a panic attack or some sort of breakdown in terms of their mental health in front of us or in our office, for example, for us to realise that something needs to happen to support that person. And what I want is for school leaders to understand that you need to be more proactive in terms of the strategies that you put in place to try to ensure that staff and leaders in your school don't get to that point of breakdown or burnout or, you know, suffering from some severe mental health challenges. So, Gemma and I talk all about that, and we we talk about how sometimes teachers can be their own worst enemy, in terms, and leaders as well, in terms of self sabotage, how we love our jobs so much, we're so driven to do the job that we feel is a vocation. That actually we put so much into it that we make ourselves ill. So we we look at exploring all those things. So I am sure you are going to enjoy this interview today with Gemma. We also talk about the power of coaching to support staff and in being proactive in supporting the wellness, the well-being of your staff. So here's the interview. Enjoy. Gemma Drinkle, welcome to the We Lead Well podcast. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. You look well. Very, very broad <laughs> grin on your face. So that's
1: <laughs> it's like my, my base. That's that's what I start with. <laughs> that's good.
0: So um, you actually came to me and said, like lots of people will see, when I publish the podcast or when I share it on Twitter, I always put the at Women ed 10% braver. And you were being 10% braver, weren't you? And and said, you know, you thought you had some things you'd like to share on the podcast. I agreed. So we got you on here. So <laughs> thank well, goodness you agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Braver that's what I I actually took a lot of inspiration from that when I started to make the podcast because I waited a long long time and had the idea and kept thinking about doing it then I read the 10% Braver book and thought you know what I'm going to do this so we're both actually part of the 10% Braver movement so can you just introduce yourself to the listener tell them a little bit about your background and your career and what you do now
1: Yeah so um hi everyone I'm Gemma um I am a former teacher and middle leader I used to teach religious studies I was an academic leader which is kind of like a head of year and I also co-led my department as well and um I loved teaching (laughs) it was like the best job in the world and I used to get really bored with jobs really easily and just you know oh I know how to do this Bored. move on after like six months whereas teaching I was like i can't see how i'm ever going to stop doing this i love it so much um however <laughs> um as i'm sure many of your listeners probably can empathize with uh the stresses and tra- strains just became a bit too much and um i started having panic attacks and um experienced burnout and the short version of the story is that i made the decision to leave teaching to benefit my own mental health and my physical health as well um, but it was a really horrible, tough decision to make. And I'm unfortunately part of that statistic, you know, the one in three teachers who leave within five years of of even entering the classroom. That's me, unfortunately. Um, I say unfortunately, but you know, that's, that's just the way it is what i do now is i work with middle leaders i help them to create the clear boundaries that they need so that they can love their job again and they can thrive in the job and also enjoy their life outside of the classroom as well because you know it's not just for the students that we do this we also do it to have a livelihood for ourselves and and enjoy life so i use my experiences that i have as like a base to say i get you i hear you i know what's going on and um help them to avoid the path that I ended up going down, the one of burnout and, and leaving the job that ultimately I really did adore. I think that's you know so important and it's brilliant what you're doing
0: because I think middle leaders are the most stretched. And pressured leaders in schools who potentially you know are under the most amount of stress but what you're saying there is that it's important to get that balance isn't it and I think you probably didn't have that balance right did you when you were working it sounds like you let the work take a lot of people call it work life balance and I I don't really I don't really go for that because I think it's just about life balance it's about having some balance in your life and understanding as well that you know you have to juggle things life will always be a juggle you're not going to get rid of the feeling that you're spinning lots of plates but it's about creating that balance and being able to keep them all spinning at just at the, a nice speed that's going to you know make sure they don't fall down so in terms of your burnout let's just explore that a little bit further what was it that prevented you from having that balance because you talked about a love for the job and I think a lot of us we sort of self-sabotage in that respect because we love it so much we devote so much of our time and energy and especially emotional energy to it that in a way we're the masters of our own downfall so to speak so tell us a little bit more about what happened because I think it's important that leaders who are listening to this understand what happens for someone
1: who ends up at burnout yeah I mean it's it's I mean I talk about this idea of like your teacher mask like you know let's say you've had a a particularly stressful scenario at school so I remember a time when I was looking after a student whose mental health was at quite a critical point and after that I'm expected to then go back into the classroom and Perform, be a teacher. You know, I was given the option, do you want to take the hour off? And I'm like, no, no, no. I I I'll be there for my students. And you put the mask on and you go into the room. And it's like nothing happened. You just you you act. You are an actor in a classroom and, and you just kind of do what you need to do. And the thing is, like, you know, we get such a high out of being in the classroom. You get such a joy for being with the students that you know it's kind of a little bit like like the mask of the film which is years old I admit, but like that the mask gets stuck on and all of a sudden you don't you can't take it off you don't know how to take it off you can't remember like where the seam is where you begin where teacher bit of you ends and it's really easy to let it kind of creep into your life and encroach upon different areas and you know it might be physical the fact that you know you take the work home with you. Um, I used to commute with my partner who worked like 10 minutes up the road he's a design engineer and um, I was awful to him because 20 past five every day he's parked outside the school and he's waiting for me some days I do not come out till six because I was just like oh, I just need to do this bit oh I just I just need to do that oh I'll, I'll just do that thing as well and I'll just have a chat with this person about this particular thing and it just keeps going and going and going and I didn't have the physical boundaries because even you know, by the time I get into the car, I'm talking about work because that's all I've been engrossed in. I'm taking the work home because there's so much of it. I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to do more of it tonight. And even on those days when you're like, actually, the marking can stay at school. That's alright, or or whatever piece of work you need to do, your mind's still worrying. You know, I remember like waking up in the middle of the night, being like, I know tomorrow's lesson I'll do a murder mystery starter that'll be brilliant and it's just you know you become so engrossed because it it, it, it's like your um creativity vibes are there your your caring vibes are there you worry about your students you think about how best to serve them Mm. I can see why people say oh vocation yeah and isn't that great but actually the the flip side of it is as you say that it 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 doesn't it becomes all consuming whether you mean it to or not. Yeah.
0: I was sorry I was interrupting you, but it just was like, did you ever have those moments where you'd think of something before you were going to sleep and think, oh gosh, yeah, I need to do that. Then you'd wake up in the morning and think, what was that thing? I had yeah. a great idea or there was something really important that I had to do that I didn't make a note of. And then, but, but it is, it's there in your mind when you're going to sleep and it's there when you wake up and it's sort of, it's pervasive, isn't it? it's Mm. and and in a way it's like you're saying the, the there's two sides to that coin the first one is that you're a really engaged great teacher but the flip side of it is that it actually it's quite insidious and it and that seeps into every area of your life and then starts having a negative impact so tell me a bit about how that happened for you because you said you had anxiety and panic attacks so just give the listeners an idea of sort of and some listeners might be listening thinking oh thank god it's not just me thank goodness but but also I think it's important that leaders in schools hear this to understand potentially what their staff might be going through so how did how did it go from passion and love and enjoyment to that sort of anxiety gnawing at you and panic
1: attacks Mm. I mean I think like you know the the panic attack was like the crunch point where everything suddenly came to and it had been you know what actually on reflection it had probably been underlying you know for at least a year or two of just kind of actually I just hadn't paid attention to it because I just assumed that that's how everyone was and that was normal it's normal to be stressed as a teacher you know everyone's anxious we all go into the staff room and moan about all the things that you know you've got to do and it's like that that kind of like bad of honor kind of thing about it of yeah oh yeah no I've got so much marking to do as well oh yeah no I was up till whatever time last night and I couldn't sleep so I don't think I was even aware that actually I was becoming unwell um because it was just part of the day-to-day struggle if you like of, of being right. a teacher it's
0: that insidiousness isn't it mm. it's like creeping that you, yeah. can, you don't notice it until yeah like I I didn't notice it I don't think until I was sitting at the computer one day and was totally I didn't have a panic attack but I was totally paralyzed like yeah. I, I don't even when I look back I think I, I don't even I can't remember what that feeling was like but I know I had it one of mm. like I've got a huge to-do list there and I'm sitting here and I just can't do anything. But it, yeah. it, like you're saying, it had crept up on me.
1: Yeah, and that, and I think also as, as teachers, we often just kind of ignore those signs as well. I remember one time I went into school and I got there and I was like, I'm not meant to be here. I, I'm, I'm so exhausted that, like you, I'm like, I can't even work out what I need to be doing. I don't even know how I got here. I'm just that tired and exhausted. And I remember going to cover supervisor organizers being like, can I have cover for today? Because I'm going to go home. And she was like, well, why? What's wrong? And I was like, I'm tired. (laughs) And that was all I could come up with was, I'm tired. I just, I can't. I can't do this today. I'm just bursting into tears on her just because I was tired. And then like, I'm sorry to interrupt you
0: again, but you hit on something there as well, because I remember when I worked in a place and there was another head of department who was saying he couldn't sleep at night and he'd got so exhausted that he couldn't come in. And the way that he was spoken about when he wasn't there for not coming in because he was, He's only, he's a bit tired and, and it's, it's about, you know, if you'd said I'm throwing up in the toilets, people would be like, go home, go home. Yeah. Because you're talking about a mental health problem and it's like, I'm I'm so exhausted and so drained that I can't work today. The, the stigma I think is still there a little bit with that. And I mean, maybe your school was very supportive, but I don't know that's the case in lots of other schools I think people are you know I think they are derided for if they say I'm exhausted I'm mm-hmm. tired I'm drained I'm whatever it might be so what was, your, yeah. what was your experience on that day you went home
1: and yeah I mean on that particular day it was you know I just was like I'm exhausted went to go sort of the cover and the head teacher came to me and was just kind of like you're tired and I was just like I just don't feel like I can cope or anything it was like then you're not meant to be here go home and it was it was perfectly supportive but the the unintended consequence of that was I felt if it's okay to say like shit I felt awful about myself because I was like I failed I've I've let people down I've caused additional work um my students aren't going to benefit worse still by the time I've finish sorting out my cover the students are going to be coming in so they're going to be like why is miss Drinkle going back to her car like the shame that you experience and like you said you know if, if you're vomiting in the toilet people are like oh my goodness please just go home <laughs> go home come back when you're better that's fine but the, there is that and it isn't an unintended it is unintended The stigma but also I think it's also self-imposed because we insert in our minds this is what other people think about me other people are disappointed in me. Other people feel let down by me. And, you know, that that isn't always, sometimes that is the case, but it isn't always the case. I remember then going next door to my other colleague, just be like, bursting into tears on her, just like, I just can't cope today. And there was no like, well, you're not a very good teacher, are you? You know, it was simply, then today's not the day for you. Go home, it's okay. But we we impose such pressure on ourselves because you know you feel indispensable you feel like you are the one that has to be there for your students and that you are the one that has to do all the work and that you can't delegate you can't like you know let it go to other people because everyone else is you know up to the ceiling with their own stresses and anxieties and and workload that you really do feel like as part of the the clockwork of the school you are a broken cog and that there's something wrong with you and and everything's going to fall down around you as a result which really isn't the case, you know, schools get by, but it the guilt and the shame that you can experience is really quite damning.
0: I think one of the things there as well is that, um, I talked to you before we started recording, didn't I, about resilient leaders elements, and I'm going to come back to that in a little bit and talk mm. about resilience. But in terms of the, one of the elements is leadership presence and a facet of that is serving and I think as teachers, we feel like, you know, we are in service to others. It's one of our values. It's what drives us. It's like you were saying before about the vacation, You want to serve other people. And when you can't go in and teach your lessons or you feel like other people are going to have to cover for you or, you know, there's going to be some because of what you're doing, there's going to be some impact on other people's workload we put even more pressure on ourselves don't we and like you're saying we start feeling guilty oh my goodness such body's going to, have to do that and I'm not going to be there for my class and then my class are going to suffer mm-hmm. and there's that element of we feel like we're there or, or you know there is that element of service in us and when we can't do that when we can't serve others to the best of our ability it actually it contributes more to the stress doesn't it
1: was that your yeah
0: absolutely
1: yeah absolutely and actually it's really interesting you've just used that phrase of serve others to the best of our ability and I think even that is a, a stick that teachers can use to beat themselves with of just kind of like I know I can do better I know I can be more I can work harder I can teach harder I can mark harder I can, I can do all these things harder but the reality of the situation is that you know the workload is so high that you, you physically can't do all of that but Also, you know, if you continually work at the very best of your ability, you'll last a week, if that, because it's just so intense. So even the language we use is, is, you know, can be quite potent.
0: And that's why I do what I do, because and I think you're exactly the same as me. You do what you do because you want to help other people not to get to that point. And in a lot of ways, you know, we do this to ourselves We're our own worst enemy when it comes to that point of burnout, not having boundaries, working all the hours that God sends, thinking about it all the time. We sort of we allow ourselves to do that and we get to that point of burnout. So you and I have chosen to help other people to work out what they need to do so they don't end up at that point because you managed, I don't know, you say less than five years. I managed 23, Gemma, but well done. bow down um (laughs) but I couldn't manage any more than that and I'm nowhere near retirement I'm only 45 I think you know I was 42 43 when I first started feeling that sense of I don't know if I'm going to be able to carry on doing this forever so what we need to do and that I think you and I are doing that is that stopping people from getting to that point of burnout but you do that by I think understanding that yes we're in service to others and we you know that is one of those facets is serving but you have to serve yourself first you've got to be in service to yourself and Hannah Cotton when she was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago if anyone's listened to that this was like a light bulb moment for me when she talked about leading yourself first and actually you've got to be in service to yourself and look after yourself before you can actually lead other people and if you're sort of leading yourself i suppose into the ground what what are you what sort of role model are you for other people who are looking at you and going well i need to work like that or you know so that idea of serving yourself first is is really important i think that's what you probably work on in your coaching with middle leaders
1: yeah absolutely um and the thing is it's really easy to say with hindsight that's what I should have done and I know if I'd been working with someone who had helped me to work that out at the time and say actually if you look after yourself and you're able to look after your students better and and serve your team better then we probably would not be having this conversation because I'd be like oh yeah okay and I'd still be a successful teacher um and it's it's the the most sorry that's not the way right of starting of that the the majority of people who get in touch with me have already been signed off work and they're like i've i've reached crisis point and you know that can that can go one of two ways that can be like okay yeah this is great because it's not great but it is great because you you've reached that this has got to change otherwise i'm just going to end up being back here or it's gone too far and you need that time to rest and look after yourself before you know you can start on a different path and and work your way out of of that situation that you've got yourself into and the thing is like if you acknowledge that actually okay yeah we we are teachers and we go in to serve the students and serve our you know wider community but you can't do that if you are not filling your own cup first and I appreciate that many teachers would be like oh but that's really selfish you know like I don't go into it for myself you're like but the reality is this isn't gonna last if you don't look after yourself first so yeah serve yourself in order to serve others it is a mindset shift but once it kind of clicks into place you're like oh yeah of course how else am I able to you know refill my own battery and keep going um if I don't if I don't do that And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you talked
0: before about the badge of honour. And for a lot of teachers, the badge of honour is, well, I was up till midnight last night marking my books and I was doing, and it's almost like that makes teachers feel better about what they're doing. But what can we do about that? Because it, that pervade, that is pervasive in teaching isn't it it's the well you shouldn't be working 60 that's the expectation or at least 50 if you're not working 50 hours a week you know how are you delivering good lessons how are you managing to keep up with what you need to do and that that is a mind shift a total like sort of cultural shift in teaching isn't it in, in education what I mean what what do you do when you're working with your clients about that because a lot of them will come with that that's how they've ended up there that badge of honor is like uh i'm working all the hours god sends to do the best for my pupils so what yeah
1: i mean i think for middle leaders it's it's first of all acknowledging that you 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 are higher up you're on more of a pedestal and therefore how you are acting influences how the people around you are also acting you are a role model um And I think that is quite a useful place to start because, you know, majority of middle leaders, they want to see their teams having a better work-life balance for want of a better phrase. Um, They want to see that they're looking after themselves. They want to see that they're doing a good job, but they are doing the things that bring them joy in their life outside of school as well. So I think first kind of acknowledging that actually you are a, a beacon of, of what, what you want to see in your own department. Now that may just be like, oh no, I've I've ruined everything because I've I've messed it up and I've burnt out and and now my whole team are going to think that's how how it works. But actually, kind of taking that and saying that's that's not a moment of shame, that's a moment of learning. And you know, if we have a, a student in front of us who's messed up a test, we're not going to be like, well, that's that for you, isn't it? You're rubbish. That's that. No point in coming back. You know, we don't do that to our students, so why are we doing it to ourselves? And stripping away, like, the emotion that comes with that, those feelings of shame, the feeling of guilt, and saying, actually, factually, these are the actions that has resulted in you feeling overwhelmed, burning out, um, not able to um, sustainably continue working. And then, like, you know, at the time, it feels like, oh, well, I've got to change everything the only way out of this is to resign or, you know, reduce my TLR and go back to just being a classroom teacher. When that's not the case, it is the small incremental changes. And also acknowledging that it's, you know, I think we do also as, as people working with middle leaders, we need to be realistic ourselves. We, we can't sell this idea of, Oh, it'll be wonderful. You'll just work nine till three thirty, and then you'll go home and everything will be roses and you'll have, you know, lovely evenings doing whatever you like. The reality is you will do some work, you know, in the evenings or at the weekends, but it's, it's finding what works for you. So starting on a a simple activity like a wheel of life and just saying actually how satisfied are you in the different areas of your life right now how satisfied are you with your your school work how satisfied are you with your relationships and then discovering the small things that can begin to make that shift and Because it feels so overwhelming at the time, you're like, it's going to have to be a big change. But really, it's not. It's it's the small incremental things, and committing to keeping those up. Because you know, tips and ideas that I often offer teachers, like you know, protect your non-negotiables, time limit yourself, reduce your contactability. They're like, that's not rocket science, but it's not working. Um, It's because you need that person by your side to hold you to account, to be the soundboard who goes, you know, how's that going so far? What steps will you take next? And, and just kind of being that continual cheerleader, I suppose, rather than saying, well, that didn't work for you, isn't that rubbish? But rather than saying, okay, that's that's okay. What what will you try next? What's worked so far? And what can we, you know, build together and totally trusting in you that you can Build a life that is unique to you, that enables you to thrive in the classroom, thrive as a leader of your team and thrive in your life. And I I think the word balance is difficult because it sounds like it's 50-50, but actually balance is simply whatever works for you and what, what brings you joy and energy in your life. And it's not a one size fits all you know, you've got to work it out specifically for yourself and having someone by your side to do that really can make that huge difference because it commits you to taking the time out to work out how you want to use your time and energy.
0: Before we find out more from Gemma about how coaching can help to keep you accountable, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our partner, Head Teacher Chat. Head Teacher Chat discusses lots of topics, from how to support pupils with learning, how to support parents and the many issues that come with leading a school. The aim of Headteacher Chat is to support headteachers and school leaders who are in a challenging and often lonely role. They do this by offering lots of information for schools to tap into. For example, they have lots of fantastic education companies on their database for leaders to discover, as well as leadership templates to download. They've written product reviews for leaders who are looking for products for their school. And this year, they've even launched the very first school leader planner, especially designed to help leaders to be productive and organised. If you'd like to hear more about Headteacher Chat, you can find them on their website at www.headteacherchat.com. Headteacher Chat. It's what headteachers are talking about.
1: Now let's get back to the interview. What we often hear, which is I haven't got time to do that. I'm just going to have to keep on going as I am right now must not get off the teacher treadmill and the only time you get off it is when you've crashed and burned and you're like I should probably change something about this or even or even
0: you do know sometimes you do know the things that you need to do (laughs) so for example I (laughs) in terms of leading myself I'm, I'm probably you know I've got quite a bit of work to do is because now i'm my own boss and i'm not having having a lunch then it's like well my boss isn't letting me have a lunch i've got to look at that so i decided every day i was gonna have half an hour do 15 minutes of yoga and on youtube and then oh, i yes. sit and eat some lunch guess how many days i did it for oh, i've got to guess one, <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I'm really proud of myself but because there was nobody there keeping me accountable and when like you're saying when you have a couple. <laughs> invest in a coach you're investing in yourself because you will find someone there to say did you do that did you do the did you manage to do the yoga every day and then you'd have to say no I didn't and and did you enjoy it on that day actually yes I did I really enjoyed doing having that little bit of a time out and it just reminds you actually no I need to I do need to do that I do need to focus on it because I've not I haven't done it since but if that was something that I'd worked on with my coach then I probably would have made more of a commitment to it so the other thing that you said there that made me just think is that idea of balance and one of the things that it is balance and I think when you are in a good place when when you're you're fine and you've yeah obviously teaching is a is a stressful job so there's a lot of pressure and it's that I've talked about the resilient leaders element. So one of the things that that focuses on is moving from pressure to stress. So you can have the balance, you know, things can be as long as sort of your home life's good, you can take some pressure, you can, there can be more emphasis on work, you can do a bit more, because you're coming home and everything's fine at home. It's when you get The pressure in like lots of different elements of your life maybe you've got you know a parent who needs taking care of but you're still looking after teenagers you're having problems in your relationship and then that means you can't focus on your job properly and everything you know for me that seemed to be the thing the whole like house of cards it just fell down collapsed around me and the idea of resilience here is what I'm sort of moving towards because as teachers we need to be really resilient. But like you were saying, sometimes things build up on you and you don't notice them. And if you don't notice those things, you can't be resilient. Because I think I described to you before, I was on the edge of a cliff, and it just took one thing to push me over the edge. I would have said I was the most resilient person. I I thought resilience was you know, was one of the, you know, character traits that I had. And then I thought, actually, I'm not that resilient at all. But if you know yourself well, the resilient elements looks at these different elements of leadership. And it helps you to look at yourself, be reflective, think about where you are. And there's a sweet spot in the middle that you get where you you know you're really prepared for things that might happen, and when you get to that crisis point, you can cope with it. But it's hard to be resilient in teaching when there's so much going on. So what happened when you got to that point? Of you know, you got to the point where you know you were, you had the panic attack. Was that on the day you described when you went into
1: school, or is that a different a different time? No, this was a different time. Um... And, and like you said, it sometimes it isn't teaching. It's just that extra thing that pushes you over. And for me, and, and I laugh now that I think about it. Um, I went to a networking event the night before, and um, a person was presenting about their PhD, which is exploring um, young girls' perspectives on what their lives were going to be like in the future. And it spoke a lot about how you know they were. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to when I have kids in the future, it'll be like a balanced relationship. Like, you know, I'll be able to work and the dad will like stay at home and vice versa and things. And then at the end kind of going, actually, you know what? The more likely thing is that actually not much will change in the next 15 years. And actually it'll still be me as the woman, the mother staying at home. Um, and actually things won't change. And, um, don't know why that stuck in my head I went home and I kind of had a bit of a crisis about it to my partner um I don't personally want kids um but at the time I was 29 and I think I was coming to that point in my life where it was just like people are beginning to question and be like oh yeah you know when are you gonna have kids and stuff and I'm just like I don't really want to and it was just a a existential societal crisis going on in my head of like what if I don't want kids and then what if I leave it too late and then I do want kids what do I do it was not related to teaching whatsoever. It wasn't even a, I need to decide right now whether I'm going to have kids or not. It was completely irrelevant. But what happened was I did not process that at the time. I didn't, I just kind of went to bed feeling fretful about it. And when I woke up the next morning, that thing in particular wasn't necessarily on my mind, but it was more just a I have a bad feeling about today I I just don't I don't feel that I feel something's going to go wrong and I don't feel settled and I was running late I couldn't eat my breakfast I tried to put it down I just couldn't eat and I was watching the time go by and I knew that you know I'm already 15 minutes after the time I should have left I'm not sure I just don't know I, I don't something just doesn't feel right I just feel very on edge I feel very anxious I feel like I could just cry But I've got to to go in. I've already missed the cut off time for calling in sick. So, and there's nothing actually wrong with me. You know, I'm just having a, should I have kids or not existential crisis. And um, yeah, so I got in the car, drove to work. I hit roadworks and a huge traffic jam. So I took a different route and then ended up at a closed road, which I knew was closed. So I kick myself about that. By this point, you know, I'm not late. You know, if if the school day starts at nine o'clock, I've still got plenty of time. But I arrive at school about quarter to nine, which is about 45 minutes, an hour later than I usually would. So all of my prep time has gone and I'm just feeling shaky. Not sure of myself. Really, don't know what's going on. So I'm like, okay, right. Well, I'm just gonna, you know, pop to the toilet and just kind of settle myself down. And I just sat in the toilet. Go. I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. I can't. I can't go back out there right now. I can't go see my students. I d- I just can't. And just left the toilet. Went past my colleague, she was like, you're right." I was like, "Yeah, fine. I'm good." Big smile on my face. Knocked on my line manager's door. And it just it came crashing down. I lost control of my breathing, crying hysterically, just, and she was like, are you having a panic attack? I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what's happening. And, you know, that that was, you know, I'd, I'd had points where I'd been stressed or anxious or cried before, but this was like just 10 times worse. Like I was just like, you know, I just, I can't breathe. I feel faint. I don't know what to do with myself. I just feel so not unwell, just felt wrong, just felt really wrong. And, you know, once I'd calmed myself down, you know, like what, what sport this on? I was like, I don't know whether to have kids or not. I mean, that that wasn't the thing. It really wasn't the thing. It was just that extra little query or question. And that was me off the cliff.
0: It's like I was talking about the house of cards, isn't it? It's just that one and,
1: and everything yeah. goes yeah and often it, it's I think that's the thing with teaching you're so often at the cusp on that cliff edge that something you know it could be a big thing you know um my partner's dad was very unwell for a long time in the hospital so that was like an extra thing for a while during my career um we bought a house that we needed renovating that was a very <laughs> definitely bit off more than we could chew that was an additional stress for a good couple of years of my career like it there were always things that just kind of so the tiniest of things that pushed me over was a complete shock you know once I got home you know having to calm myself down enough that I could drive myself home um it was then it was all about the teaching everything that was going not going wrong but just that just felt unsettled, you know, all the things that I'd just been pushing out of my mind or ignoring or just being like, that's fine, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll deal with that later, whatever it was, just so I could cope with, you know, the class right in front of me at that very point in time. It all just kind of came crashing in. I was like, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to go back into the classroom again. I don't know how I'm meant to keep going. And you know, I th- that was the only time I've been signed off work due to my mental health. Actually, that's a lie. That that, that did happen again at the beginning of this year, but that's um a, a different scenario. But it's was, it's was the only time it was like, actually, you need to stop and sort out what the hell is going on. And I think, like I said before, I'm so grateful that it happened. But at the time, you're like, I failed. I can't do this anymore. I've let my students down. I've let my team down. I've let my senior leadership down. How can I show my face in public again? I can't even, and I think what kept going through my head was, you can't even cope as a teacher. And I don't even know why that came up as a judgment for me, because it's a it's an incredibly difficult but amazing job. But it was just like, it was really cutting not just my, my teacher core, but down to my own core of who I was, being like, you can't cope you're not good enough. And it just, you know, it festered. And it came into that panic attack. And that was the point where I was like, I need to deal with this.
0: I think it's really important that school leaders hear stories like this, so that they can understand I mean, maybe they've experienced it themselves, but so that they can understand what's happening, because it's happening for some of if you if I was a head teacher in a school where I've got 70 members of staff then this is the situation that some of my staff will be in and they will be keeping quiet about it as well and they'll be coming in and that's not good for the for them first of all it's not good for the other staff that they're working with and it very much isn't good for the children who they're teaching so Mm -hmm. you say your school was very supportive at that point and that's good were the things that the school could have done prior to that happening do you feel like I mean I don't want you to be critical of the leadership team in in your school but I think sometimes leadership teams are a little bit oblivious to these things until they actually happen and like that crisis point's reached Mm. where you have to go off sick and then you end up leaving teaching and this is just this is one of the things that I think is it's just terrible that this is happening that people who are brilliant teachers are ending up in that position where they're leaving the profession so as school leaders we do have a responsibility to do something to preempt that I think a lot of the time it's 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 reactive not proactive you know it takes that person to come into your office and have a panic attack in front of you as a leader to go wow there's something going on with this person like why didn't we know this why didn't we know this before so what what could maybe you use it as hypothetical what could schools do to
1: be preventative that's a really good question I mean I think it's really difficult because it depends on the culture in your school whether your school is one where people can be open about their struggles um I was really fortunate yeah I was fortunate my school was was that type of school not you know and so long as there's someone in your school that you feel you can turn to um having said that I think there's also a a risk of you know as a senior leader you're thinking okay how do I fix this how do I solve the problem so you know I remember as an NQT going to my Um, NQT mentor and just feel like I'm just really stressed and I just feel really overwhelmed and it was just like okay well what can we do to fix this and actually what I needed at the time was just someone to just listen and just you know acknowledge that that's how I was feeling because very often as teachers you know actually we do know what we need to do we do know the solution we do have that intuition but we're not given the time or space to just let ourselves process it. Um, and I, I think senior leaders have got a, a difficult role there because, you know, they've got to run a school effectively. Um, middle leaders and teachers may be aware of that and therefore feel that there'll be a conflicting, of you know, conflicting interests there of, yeah, no, they want to listen, but also they want me to be working effectively. So it might be that actually SLT is not the place that schools need to be providing and you know either internal or external um, person that can speak to staff and and just kind of be that you know if you imagine yourself as like a bucket you want a space to be empty in that bucket before it starts emptying itself over the sides so I think that's very often actually what is needed it's not a cake Friday it's not a a drastic thing. It's not having well-being sessions after school where everyone has to do yoga. It's it's actually just it, it's that human side to it. It's just giving people that space. Um, and I I, I know the responses to but like, well, well, we haven't got time or we can't afford it. There's probably
0: some um, theories that you can't afford not to. You, exactly, you have to make the time and so many people and you know people who I've coached who've said actually do you know what spending that one hour actually saves me hours later on like one one of the people I've coached we worked very much on what she needed to do to organize herself better as a as a, she was in charge of BTEC and she needed to make sure that it's a huge you know it's a huge job and yeah. it was very it was really overwhelming her, but spending that one hour every couple of weeks, she said it was just well worth the hour because it made everything else much simpler and she knew what she was doing when she was doing it, and she wasn't spending lots of time just aimlessly doing things and not being focused so like it's it's easy to say as a leadership team, well, we can't afford that. It's too big an investment to have a coach who works with us in school. Well, I disagree with that because I think you can't afford not to. Because what happens yeah. is when you don't invest in that, you end up spending an awful lot of money on recruitment and retention. Or you've got teachers working in your school or leaders. It's really important for leaders to have that outlet as well and to have that space, to have a coach. Or to have counselling in school, you know, you need a variety of services that staff can access. Because if you don't provide that, then you have members of staff who are not working at their best. They're not able to understand themselves as well as they could and see what they need to do to work to their, I'm going to say optimum. And I don't mean to make them so they're able to work 60 hours a week but sometimes to help them to realize that 45 hours a week is enough or to help them to understand that, you know, if you don't get around to doing a particular job, it doesn't really matter. There are other things that are more important perhaps. And then when yeah. you get, when you get that with staff, they do a better job and they stay for longer. And, and so it is a case of, yeah, you can't afford not to really.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you consider like, you know if your bucket is close to overfilling it's like any simple task is like walking through treacle you know if you've just had a really intense lesson you've got a half an hour free period what is the point in a half an hour free period i have to say but anyway <laughs> and you you spend you know you may spend five minutes of that just sat at your desk slumped i just like Ugh. it's just drained yeah just you know just to let yourself have that five minutes of like oh my god and then, you know, you might be like, actually, I should probably do the basics, like go to the toilet. Uh, okay, right. so I'll go do that. And then by that point, you've got about 15 minutes left. And you're like, okay, well, like, there's there's almost no point in starting anything. And and that, that is how teachers end up working so many hours. It's because everything feels so arduous because you're continually just asking a little bit more of yourself and asking a little bit more. And your body and your emotions are, are fighting against you they're like I, d- I don't want to though I don't you know imagine how slowly you get out of bed or you just kind of stand in the shower just kind of like a zombie in the morning or in the evening whereas if you give yourself that hour every couple of weeks where it's you offload your bucket is emptier, well, emptier a little bit you know a little bit lighter <laughs> that yeah <laughs> um, and and it increases your efficiency because you've got that space where you're like, actually, that's where I can process and I can offload and I can reflect on, you know, the practical side, what's going well, what's not. But also just like if there's anything that's happened in particular, if a student has um, come to you about a safeguarding thing, whatever it is, it's just that space to go. Oh. And, and then that means that you're lighter so you can, you can go more efficiently again. And also so timing... Famous. Sorry, Uh, you go. And also, that space to
0: explore yourself and those expectations that you're putting on yourself as well, and to become much more self aware of the way that you behave that's actually contributing to your stress. And that's the idea again of the pressure to stress and being able to talk about that and explore it so that you can recognize either. The emotional signs that you're moving from pressure to stress or the physical signs that you're moving from pressure to stress, and working through what you can do to move back, just to rebalance yourself, <clears throat> even if it's like you say, in that half an hour, you're not doing any schoolwork. You're just going to sit and get yourself a cup of tea. Because if you're doing yeah. school work, you're putting more pressure. Then you feel that pressure when you've got to put that on one side and you, the class are arriving. So you. It helps you to work through those things as well, and be able to recognise your own triggers and your own responses as well. You were, going yeah, to
1: absolutely. Timing as well, weren't you? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's just come to mind for me just now as you're speaking is, you know, if we imagine like this bucket, you know, we assume as as teachers, as middle leaders, as senior leaders that the the big rocks are the thing that take up the most space and make us feel heavy so like the workload and and the lack of appreciation and covid is a particularly big ugly rock at the moment to have in your bucket but the thing is like actually what what is filling the space and weighing it down and reducing your capacity to cope are the little granular sandy things and that's you know your perceptions your view of yourself the way you think about yourself the way you think about yourself as a teacher those are the things that begin to weigh down so for instance um you know I, I did a radio show yesterday where my guest talked about actually I write my achievements on the whiteboard next to me I don't have a to-do list and I was like what because you know my to-do list was tick done what's next I, I didn't even acknowledge any of the stuff that I did you know if someone said oh you know how did you spend your day today I'm like well you know it was it was an all right day it was really inconvenient because I had to teach a load of kids and and that kind of you know that meant that I didn't have enough space and time to do my to-do list and it gets to the point where the to-do list is more important than the students you're just like horrible am
0: I doing your teaching gets in the way (laughs) yeah you sent the kids as they come in going
1: like I have a to-do list and you're ruining it it. when I
0: was ahead of English I remember thinking essentially I've got two jobs here I'm teaching because I only had six hours non-contact time a week I'm teaching I'm a teacher because really every teacher should have at least six non-contact hours a week regardless where that what they do in school in my opinion probably more I would say at least two a day but that's never going to happen you know that's you talk that's you told it me. may happen in the future well let's never it's not a word <laughs> I used to feel like I had that job and then I had the head of department job and I could have spent all of my time doing one or the other of those but I was doing two jobs then I was a mom on top of that that was another job then I was a wife and like I just had so many things going on that in the end, teaching got in the way a little bit. I was like, oh, I can't believe I've got to go and teach when I've got all those other things that I've got to yeah. do. And I think that's that's a lot of the the reason, especially for middle leaders, that you get so stressed is because essentially you're doing two jobs because you could spend all your day doing your middle leadership role jobs, but then you've got to do the teaching as well. Did you find that too?
1: yeah yeah absolutely I mean it was it was and I had two different um middle leadership roles so just a, a fun little continual balancing again I don't really like the word balancing but yeah it's a juggle you know, it's a juggle isn't yeah it? it's a juggle yeah exactly yeah and and how you perceive yourself in those moments of saying oh you know I haven't done enough of my academic leader role this week you know I'm no good I'm not very good at that and it those are the things that fill the bucket. It's how you think about yourself that fills the bucket and makes you feel more rubbish. And then the extra little things just spill over. And
0: when you take that to your coach and you say, Well, I'm obviously rubbish at this, your coach will say, Whoa, hang on a minute, rewind. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at
1: the evidence. You know,
0: let's talk through that and give and we'll give you a different perspective on it. So um what I mean. I I think that like, sort of going back to that being proactive rather than reactive one of the things that senior leaders can do is really get to know their staff you know a lot of like a head teacher will take on a new role in a in a school primary or secondary and think right I need to go in these classrooms and I need to watch these people teach so they'll do like all these observations and see how they're teaching but actually their time would be better spent rather than going observing those lessons. Their time would be better spent actually having conversations with those teachers and saying, right, okay, do you enjoy your job? Do you like working here? What's going on? What do you struggle with? What are your challenges? What do you need from me? How could things be better for you? So when you go into a school or you go into a role like that, you do that. It doesn't matter, I think, whether you're a head teacher, deputy head assistant, middle leader, whatever yeah. it is. Get to know your team, because then when you know them, you can recognize the first signs. It's like that I was saying about self-awareness, knowing your own Mm -hmm. triggers and knowing Like I would know my team. So if my if one of my head of departments came to me in the morning just to do the check in, I would know that something wasn't wasn't right. I could tell because I knew that person so well because I spent the time to get to know them. And I could say, hang on, what's what's happening? Something not quite right here.
1: And that's so yeah. important, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's, and I think that's that's where the challenge is for middle leaders, for senior leaders is, you know, sometimes, and, and it needs to be outwardly spoken of, I'm taking my middle leader hat off right now. I'm your friend. I just, how's things going with you? And, and just encouraging people to, not fear judgment or feel like oh you want to know what's wrong why are you going to use it against me like you know are you going to say that I'm not coping when actually you're right it's it's so ironic that you know we go into education because it's it's a human side we're helping little humans and we're gonna help them make you know a wonderful life for themselves. And yet actually the human side is the bit that gets dropped off first, you know, that the processes take over or the to-do list takes over. When actually you're right, if you if you have that relationship there, and relationships also then build loyalty as well. You know, you are less likely to have retention issues and things like that. Trust and openness. People, if you show
0: an interest in other people and say, come and come and have a chat at, you know this time today or when you're free pop down yeah. and I'm not saying as a senior leader be have your door open all the time that uh, that yeah. was a mistake that I made big mistake that I made just letting people knock on and say we got five minutes that turned into 45 minutes that meant then I couldn't do the things on my to-do list you can, yeah. I can feel myself getting yeah. <laughs> feel the stress of that you have to organize that you have to be organized in the way that you find that time to have those conversations and build the relationships. But everything starts with relationships with the children. You can't teach children unless you've got relationships and you can't develop staff unless you've built relationships with them and you have the trust. And then they will come to you and say, I'm not feeling so good today. This is bothering me or that. And then you can be proactive. You don't have to be
1: get to the point where they're, you know, having to go off long term sick. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also that location is actually crucial in that. If you're like, oh, yeah, come into my office. Like, you know, you feel like a little kid going to the head teacher, like I've done something wrong. When actually like changing your environment, going out for a walk instead. Um, and, and you're right. It, it, again, it's those boundaries as well, saying that there, there's a set time. My door is open, but it's open at these times. Yeah. Um, and kind of opening yourself up. So, yeah, kind of reiterate that, that human side. And explaining to people as well, you know, I I
0: do want to listen to you and I do have time for you, but I have to take care of myself and I've got things that I need to do. Mm. So I will be available, but I need to make sure that I've got time in for myself to do the things that I need to do. So I'm available at these times. If you turn up at a different time, one of the people who I coached came up with the idea of having a whiteboard on a door that said, and it said, write your name here if you've if you've turned up this is and it's between like the hours when I'm holed up in my office and the door's closed write Mm -hmm. your name on the board and when I'm free I'll come and see you and she said that really worked for her because she got to work but the people knew that she followed through with that and she went seeing them so they didn't have to just open the door anyway and say (laughs) because people do that don't they you've got a sign on your door that says do not disturb and people think it doesn't apply to them oh it's only only a minute I just wanted to ask but when you have those people doing it I just wanted to ask it can make it really difficult but that worked for her but you've got to have you've got to have you've got to have systems in place so that you can be open and be available
1: but looking after yourself as well yeah and I think this then goes back around to why it's beneficial to work with someone like yourself or, or me because it helps you to come up with things that work for you and also you say actually no the whiteboard that didn't work for me but this is what I'm going to try instead so you've got that accountability but again that sounding board because you know that system may work for one person but it may not work for another and you know you may go back on that and be like oh you know therefore I can't possibly make this work now I'm just going to have to continue to be overwhelmed and overworked and feel like I'm I'm no good to anyone when actually it's it's reflecting on that and having the space and the time to reflect on that which I know are the two most valuable assets that teachers don't feel that they have but it comes down to your choice you have to choose to make that time and that space because if you if you don't then you know don't be surprised if you end up where I ended up where you burn out and you feel like you've had many battles with teaching but the jobs won the war and you've left like don't be surprised that that's where it goes you make the choice to jump off the hamster wheel
0: you know Mm -hmm. people talk about oh I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel but jump off it jump off yeah yeah who put you there actually you can you can jump off and that I think that's what coaching does as well coaching gives you the permission to do the things that you thought you couldn't do because you look at what you can you you can focus on what you can control what is within your circle of influence because a lot of the time I think teachers it's a it's a byproduct of a, a high stakes accountability system and having things done to you that teachers feel like they don't have any control over what they do because they're constantly being told do this do that do it this way do it that way when actually when you explore that in a coaching environment you do realize you can you do have quite a lot of control and you have to Absolutely. make decisions and, and make those choices yeah. thank you so much for joining us i've really enjoyed that i think that's i think actually as a senior leader listening to that i think it will bring up a lot of things to do with actually how you take i'm not going to say better care of your staff but how you can understand staff better and start putting some things in place so that you can be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to pressure stress mental health burnout mm-hmm. and and general well-being I guess so thank you so yeah. much for joining us if people want to get hold of you if they want to
1: explore perhaps um coaching with you where can they find you um for teachers i guess the easiest place is twitter um my handle is at Gemma underscore drinkle um or you can drop me an email which is Gemma uh, with a g at headsphere h-e-a-d-s-p-h-e-r-e dot co dot uk brilliant
0: thank
1: you so much have a great thank day thank you you too thanks
0: I want to thank Gemma so much for joining us on the show today. I really hope that by her sharing her experience, you can, as a leader in a school, understand better the experiences that your staff might possibly be having and that you've got some ideas for how you can be more proactive in the way that you approach that to try to put preventative measures in place so that staff don't end up in the position that Gemma ended up in. And thank you to Gemma as well for being so open with us and sharing what really is a very personal and quite private experience so that she can help other people and I really respect Gemma for coming on the show to do that it's very very kind of her to come and share her experiences with us so I really appreciate it thank you so much Gemma. Some of the things that are emphasized that I just want to pick out that we talked about are as a senior leader or a middle leader knowing your staff really well so that you can spot signs that things aren't right as soon as they aren't right um, and the other thing i think that we talked about that maybe i didn't make enough of in the interview is the idea of the pressure of women the pressure on women in our society and how that impacts on our ability to do the role that we're doing in a school and Even though Gemma says, you know, she doesn't have children and she doesn't want children, the expectations of society and the fact that she feels or she felt pressure from people who would ask her questions about whether she would have children and all the issues surrounding that. And then also, if you are a mother, the fact that women tend to take on more of the caring responsibilities, you know, all of these things build up. To create quite a lot of pressure and stress for women and that's where we need men to be advocates as well i'm not excluding men from this and i'm not saying that men don't experience that but i think it, it tends to be more of a, a woman's experience if you are experiencing any of any of those things to do with being a woman and being a female leader you might like to join the group coaching program uh, cohort five starts in january it's a really great program for helping you to find yourself helping you to create more balance in your life or to be able to juggle more effectively so if you're interested in that please email me at vicky at uk, and we can arrange to have a chat to see how that might support you in your leadership i'd also love you to join the women lead well coaching network we have just had another great session yesterday evening about clarity of direction in both your personal and your professional life Um, and one of the comments was that the person who said this said she came out of the session feeling empowered and um, she was going to go and make some changes and take some actions and do something in terms of her clarity of direction. If you would like to join the women lead well coaching network i'm currently offering 50 percent off the membership price so again email me at vicky at i can have a chat with you and we can get you all signed up and part of that network that's all we've got time for today i hope that you have been opening your advent calendars and uh, i'm very excited to open mine later and i will speak to you next week Take care of yourself, take care of your staff and lead well. This episode of the We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with Transform Education Coaching, Headteacherchats.com and the Teach Well Alliance.